It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? I hope you're having a fantastic week still here in California, enjoying this beautiful weather and looking forward to playing some golf, hopefully soon here with some family and friends. And I hope you get a chance to play some golf wherever you are at in the world. This week, we are going to have another part of our Parent Stories series. And we have Emily and Alan Chin. And we're going to talk about their experience raising their son, Alex Chin, through the game of golf. There were probably a lot of times where we put too much pressure on him. There were probably times when we didn't put enough pressure on him. You know, it, it's it's a, it's a balancing act. It really is because you don't want to kill that joy, but you also want to help foster that passion and, and push them when they don't know how to push themselves. And so it, it's a fine line. It really is. I have personally known Emily, Allen, and Alex as they were part of the junior golf program I was working at at Los Positas Golf Course in Northern California. And Alex, in my opinion, has always been an excellent player. He's had a great personality and I've always loved what I observed of how Emily and Allen raised him through the game of golf. And Alex has come so far in his journey. He's had, he has quite the resume he's already built up in his amateur golf. And most recently, he just won the 2020 NCGA Player of the Year. He's also won the GCAA event in Reno at Wolf Run Golf Club. He won the fourth annual McClure Cup at Bayonet and Black Horse in Seaside, California. He's had a number of top tens in his collegiate career, and he was even medalist at a USM qualifier at a country club in his hometown in Pleasanton, California. This is going to be a fantastic episode for all of us adults and parents to learn true stories and experiences from Emily and Alan. I know they're going to share so much with us in this episode, and I can't wait to speak with them. Emily and Alan Chen, welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you guys today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, you know. And like I said, you know, before we started recording, it's been a long time since I've uh, had a chat with you guys. And your son Alex has come a long way in his journey in amateur golf, and I'd say he's got quite a a colorful amateur career with notable wins, and even just most recently with his 2020 NCGA Player of the Year. So we're gonna back it up first, though, and we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning. And I'd love for you guys to tell us. How did you get Alex into the game of golf? Uh, well, basically, I think it started when he was about four years old. And, you know, for me personally, I knew, you know, because of our genetics, he wasn't going to be a big kid. And we wanted to get him in a sport that he could excel at, you know, possibly later on in life. And basically, for me, there was only two sports, either racing cars <laughs> or... <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, racing cars, you know, go-karting, was not in the picture. My wife mixed that right away because it's too dangerous. A three-year-old doesn't belong in a race car. <laughs> Even though he did like to go fast at the time, so eventually golf was the was the was the uh, sport we gravitated towards. And uh, he 
took to it right away. Yeah, he really liked it. That's cool. And did you guys play golf at that point? I did. I did a little bit at that time. And so I thought he would like it as well. And yeah, um, when I, we used to have a little nine hole course from where we lived. And I would take him there probably three, three times a week down there and play nine holes. And uh, he really liked it. That's cool. That's very cool. So at what point would you say he was able to like actually make a swing that looked like a golf swing, connect with the ball and understand the concept of the game? Uh, I would say about four. Yeah, actually four years old. He was actually, he had a pretty good swing. And I used to take him down to nine hole. Everybody said he was like a mini Tiger Woods because his swing was so good. He could make contact and hit the ball. Unfortunately, when you're only four, you can only hit it so far. Um, but yeah, he made contact and he understood the concept, you know, need to get the ball in the hole and uh, just ran from there with it. <laughs> He'd been doing a golf swing probably since he was about two because, you know, we did the thing that every golf parent does. You get him the set of the plastic clubs and they spend a lot of time hitting your furniture and um, <laughs> balls into windows and that. But uh, he, yeah, he was, he was on the range hitting golf balls and, and knowing a little bit, uh, you know, it's all relative at, at four, but um, knowing what he was doing. That's awesome. That yeah, it was and, a fun time. So when would you say was his first time actually going to some kind of competition? He was seven when he first competed in golf. Um, he was a bowler before that. Actually, Al and I met bowling and I bowled with him until I was not, almost nine months pregnant. No way. Yeah. yeah. Came out of the womb and um, he was a bowler. He was bowling at three. He was a competitive bowler at five, which he bowled in state tournament when he was five years old. Um, so, so that was fun. But his first competition in golf was when he was seven out at uh, Las Positas in the summer series for the junior program they had there. Oh, and no so way. he would play. Yeah, yeah. He played a weekly golf tournament um, with he actually competes against today. I mean, his, his golf lines go way back and, and a lot of his friends took the same steps he did that had good competition. And was it his decision to want to go play in the tournaments or was it something that you guys told him that maybe he could do? How did that come about to get in that competition? Well, the program itself really fostered um, the competitive aspect of the game. There were always you know, little small chipping and putting competitions, um, not necessarily long drive, but keeping, keeping your drive between a couple of flags out on the range. So the, the junior program really started him thinking towards competition but when it came to going out into his first competitive event it was all him mm. he was all in and would you say that like did golf was it just something fun for him up until a certain age where then he kind of transitioned had this like serious mindset that he wanted to be the best golfer and compete and win and all that and uh, i guess how long was it that golf was just quote unquote fun before he got really serious into the game, would you say? I think once he started competing, he was really serious into it. Probably those first like three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was pretty competitive. Really, you know, um, at a young age, he was competitive. Even from bowling, from the standpoint of bowling, he would basically everybody he bowled against were twice his age. He was bowling against 10, 13 year olds, 
and when he would lose to them, he would really get upset. <laughs> he was not happy. So he's pretty competitive, and I think that's natural for any any competitor. They they just want to compete. I taught him how to play checkers, chess. He did not want to lose in anything. He wanted to beat me in everything. <laughs> yeah, he has special pride in beating his dad at things. But I, bet. I would say probably for those first three years, though, until he was really introduced to golf in a competitive form with the junior program a lot of it was uh, a lot of it was fun but really I think he did gauge a lot of his his abilities against his dad at first and so I think that kind of started out of the gate for him as being competitive yeah, I think mm-hmm. with all kids first thing beat the parents or beat, beat the dad first and then move on from there <laughs> right no I totally agree so what would you say his was his favorite thing about golf from ages eight to ten? Like whether it was practicing, competing, or playing with friends. Oh, it was, he loved playing with friends, and, and if you are blessed like we were blessed to find a a big uh, junior program that was really active, uh, um, we were very very fortunate because the program was so large. There were so many kids his own age and so many fun events that that's all he ever wanted to do was just go hang out at Lospo with his buddies. And they, there was competition within that, but it was, it was, I think, a good combination of both just pure fun and joy as well as competition. And, um, I remember times with, when him and his good friend Noah Woolsey, who I think you probably know, he plays for Washington. They'd come over and they would turn our backyard into what they called the U.S. Open. And uh, they would come in and ask if there were tee times available out at the U.S. Open in our backyard. And they'd just set up trick shots and, you know, hit off the swing set or uh, hit up and over the, the pergola and around the side yard. So it was a combination of both. It was, it was fun and it was competition. and it's yeah. just been a fun thing to watch. Yeah, he just like basically loved hanging out with his buddies. We could drop him off at Lost Bowl at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And he'd stay there all day and practice with his buddies until like 6, 7. We'd have to call him to get him back to come home for dinner. Yeah. Otherwise, he'd live on a golf course. <laughs> right. How, how important do you think that environment was for the development of his golf all the way up into where he is today? Oh, it was everything. It was everything because the just the pure joy that he got out of it while he learned the fundamentals of the game, learned how to play out on the course himself, you know, to play at an elite level, you have to have passion for the game. And I think that experience for him early on, he just developed a natural passion for the game. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, I actually, we had a podcast episode the last month that came out and it was talking about how important the environment, the community and the culture is around junior golf programs and how much that can really develop golfers. And a lot of times I think us as adults sometimes can't even see how important that is, but really it plays such a huge role in the development of a child and the game of golf or really anything really. But uh, I mean, I was there at Lost Boat. I know what that culture was like, and it was amazing. I totally agree. And and me as a coach at the time, I didn't actually realize how good it was until I actually left. 
And after I left, I look back and I, I still think how awesome that that just that community, that culture, that environment was just just thriving, not just for the players, but for the families. Right. It was Absolutely. just so good, wasn't it? And uh, I totally agree with you guys. I think you guys are fortunate. Myself was fortunate for being there as well, just to be so lucky to be around such a, a cool environment. And um, not that the end result is to be a good golfer or to play college golf, but there were a lot of kids that came out of that program that went on to play college golf, weren't there? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of Division One golfers, Division Two golfers came out of the program. And like my wife Emily said, it's for the joy of the game. They just loved being there. You know, we didn't have to you didn't have to force them to be there. They wanted to be there. And it's a place that uh, uh like their playground, more or less, that you know, uh, yeah. the parents feel comfortable dropping them off there. You know, it's a safe environment, and the kids are just they just love to be there. And it's not a chore; it's something that they wanted want to do. That's that's the main part. But it, you're right, Travis. It, it that was really something very, very special. Something yeah. you don't you don't find everywhere. And so when you do find it, it it's a blessing. It really is because it's there's not a lot of it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. You know, now, besides the program, another thing that's overlooked, I think, is the parents. And I think the parents' role is so important. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because a lot of the listeners to this podcast are parents and they have a lot of questions about raising their kids in the game of golf. So how much pressure did you put on Alex early on or what kinds of conversations did you have, you know, in the development of his game to encourage him if you even had to, to get to where he is now? That's a question there. I think there were probably a lot of times where we put too much pressure on him. There were probably times when we didn't put enough pressure on him. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act. It really is because you don't want to kill that joy, but you also want to help foster that passion and, and push them when they don't know how to push themselves. And so it, it's a fine line. It really is. And we've seen plenty of kids who have benefited from the fact that they had parents who walked that fine line well. And we've seen other kids who just completely lost their love of the game because their parents pushed them too hard. So I, I don't know that you, yeah. you know what's the right amount until it's behind you. Right. It's definitely a process for sure, Travis. I mean, I remember early on, probably, you know, when he was in middle school, I, I would have to take him to practice. And, you know, and some of the days he didn't want to practice, but I would say, let's practice. And then eventually when he got a little bit older, I would say probably, you know, when he got into his teens, then it was him telling me, dad, let's practice. Then I don't, it was him telling me, let's go. So then, he kind of knew that that's where he, he turned the corner, where it was more of a love of the game for him. I wouldn't have to tell him. More, it was more after that point, he was dragging me, Dad, let's go to practice, let's go to rain. I'm like, okay, let's go. That's, you know? that's very interesting. Yeah, and it's hard to find the balance. I mean, you don't, you don't know how hard to push the kids, your kids, but at the same time, you don't you want to make sure that they get you know the right amount of practice in. And it, it's just, it's a fine balance for sure. And they're all different. Yeah, and yeah. they're all different at different times. Yeah, you, you know, it's uh, there. You can't write a manual for no, it. No, you can't. No, no. no. In yeah. looking back on it, if we had it to do over again, I think maybe we 
would have done things a little bit differently, but did right. what felt right. And when there were times that it just felt like, you know, well, maybe we're just pushing this a little bit too far um, or a little bit too hard, we were able to step back a little bit and just kind of let him guide where it went, but still, still give him that nudge, still give him that nudge so that he didn't completely lose interest or um, maybe not, not do the things that he needed to keep up on that practice, but find different ways to make it mm. fun for him so that he was enjoying what he was doing. Cause the game's hard oh, enough yeah. as it is. Yeah. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> I, I'm quite curious, like, yeah. Can you think of an ex example of maybe one thing that maybe you might have done a little bit differently? Because I think every parent's always thinking that looking back on the years of their kids coming, growing up. And I'm, I'm just curious if there was like one small thing or maybe it was a conversation that you might have had or maybe shouldn't have had or whatever. Can you think of any specific example of, of something small that maybe you would have done just a little bit differently? Yeah. I mean, there were there were times, I think, when we analyzed yeah. things maybe we overanalyze things maybe we just were um too critical right yeah because yeah. the, yeah. the thing you're you're all in and invested as parents and, and you're taking up a, a lot of your time a lot of your resources you know so many parents just give up almost everything i mean you're you, you don't have vacations anymore if you're chasing the dream right. um, yeah. and it's a frustrating process for everyone and so uh, we i think we made it harder on ourselves sometimes and we made it more frustrating just by overanalyzing and, and um i mean there were days when it felt like the sky was falling and we'd never come back from a disappointment here or a disappointment there uh, so if we could go back with knowledge and hindsight we'd probably just tell ourselves just no, relax. Yeah. We're all going to get past this. Uh, yeah. I think the main thing is, you, as parents, you just have to trust the process. I mean, uh, every kid, they, they, all kids mature differently, especially in sports. You know, you know. I remember one of our past coaches. You know, what what one kid does when you're ten really doesn't matter because, you know, it, it's basically the end result. As you get older, you know, then you kind of see where all the kids fall through, you know, how, how much, you know, how many of the kids really love the game and want to stick with it and how many don't really want it. They're just doing it. Just something to do. Make their parents happy. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Yeah. You want to make sure that the kids really enjoy the sport, whatever they're playing. If they're not, if it becomes a chore, then and they just want to do it just to keep the parents happy. Then they're just not going to have fun at the end. And uh, we know, we know several kids like that where they, you know, they, once they got to a certain level, they just, they don't want to play anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At yeah. some point along the line, you realize that the parents can't be the drivers of this. It's all driven by the golfers themselves and, and what they want to do with it. And so we can make the process harder for them. We can make it easier for them. Uh, but in the long run, it's still all on them. It's yeah. where they want to go with it. Yeah. I think you guys just shared some awesome information there for, for us adults and that it's including coaches as well, uh, not just parents, but you know, the, the things that you guys just touch on there, it, it's just, I think it will sink in with so many people. And I think it was just awesome advice about, it. and, um, the funny thing actually, Alan, about the process is this next week, we have a podcast episode 
and it's titled there is time and embrace the process and i think it's very difficult for us to think that way and like you said what kids do at 10 doesn't necessarily matter or reflect on who they're going to be 10 years from now when they're 20 right and I think as adults and as parents, it's hard sometimes to realize that there is time for this developmental process. And, and Emily, like you said, there's times where you feel like the sky's falling, right? And it's just not going to work out. But then it comes back and, um, you know, the, if if results is what everybody wants, the kids will persevere and they'll come through and there's plenty of time for them to do it, isn't there? Yes, there yeah, really is. Absolutely, absolutely. I think when the kids are young, I think the parents tend to be more vested than the kids sometimes and they're more, you know, result oriented. Yes. And, 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 and that's the thing you, as a parent, you have to kind of back off and, you know, trust the, trust the process, you know, let them mature. As long as they love the game and they want to work at it, they'll reach their goal eventually. And that's all we can do as parents do basically at this point. I mean, sorry, you've heard it, but even Tiger, when he played a couple of weeks ago with his son, Charlie at the PNC championship and they interviewed, you know, Tiger about his son, and he says, you know, I just want him to enjoy the game at this point. That's all I care about. As long as he enjoys the game, he's the one that pushed me to want to play this event. I didn't tell him. And that's that's what you want as parents. You want your kid to... I couldn't agree it. more. Yeah, my wife said, why don't you get Tiger on your podcast? And I said, well, I wish it were that easy. I watched that, uh, like, um, the interview that he had with the media about those things, exactly what you watched. And it was just like, it was just resonating with this podcast and, you know, the things I like to talk about and everything you guys are sharing with us today. And I, I couldn't agree more. So... Here's a question for you. How do you think you guys have grown as parents because of raising Alex in the game of golf? Well, you definitely learn a lot of patience. Yes, for <laughs> it, sure. It is, it is a grind, Travis. It is any parent that has gone through the process will tell you it is a grind. And we have only learned just recently to just embrace that grind because when you do the victories that you have are so sweet and they become worth every putt that didn't fall every ball that got hit ob every golf club lost uh, you know every everything that went wrong during the process when you when you get that that result you know that that to that goal that you've been working for you immediately forget about all of that and so enjoy the ride yeah. enjoy the ride and we have really in all honesty i'd say probably it's been within the last two years that we've really realized that hey you know this is all part of the process like we talked about enjoy it because the alternative sucks <laughs> it really does just enjoy it because yeah. This is what it's all about. You're you're making you're making memories that are going to last everyone a lifetime. And so why make them bad? Yeah. You just enjoy the process. That's great advice. I love that. Yeah, I had a guy on the podcast, and he said his best advice as a parent was to buy a really nice camera, and then just kind of stay on the cart path and take really good pictures, whether it's of your kids playing golf or just the scenery as well, because that'll distract you as a parent to not necessarily think about every single shot that's being hit out there. And then plus you'll have good memories of looking back on the photos, but he said it was a good distractor for him 
while watching his kids play golf on the golf course. So I thought that was a p- good piece of advice that kind of aligned with what you said there, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's actually, that's true. That's good. That's good, that's good advice there too. <laughs> it is good yeah. advice. We might take advice. So I, I remember Alex. He was a very good golfer from the first day I met him, and you know we're going to fast forward a little bit. So he played four years of high school golf, and at what point did he come to you guys and say? Hey, mom and dad, I want to play college golf. Oh, it was well before high school. Was it? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he knew, I would say probably going into middle school that okay. he wanted to play college golf. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I would say that's fun. Correct. Yeah. I don't think he knew whether he had the ability to or not, but it was certainly that that was a focus for him. Right. And, and he was blessed because he played on some good middle school teams and some good high school teams. And when you play in good teams, that kind of, I think, helps yeah. push, you know, push push you a little bit further to go farther. And he was really blessed to play on three, you know, on really good middle school teams and high school teams. Going back to that environment thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. It really yeah. is. That's cool. So now he's, he, he obviously has his passion, his dream. When it starts to come into fruition, I, I would guess it's probably about his, junior year when he can start contacting or actually speaking to college coaches. Is that right? What was that process like and how were you guys helping him out? And how'd you even know what to do as parents? Well, you know, we were pretty lucky in that we had some people around us who had been through the process. Um, his coach at the time, Jim Cam, is a PGA pro and he's put, I think, 82, 83 kids through division one golf. So again, the environment. It is the environment. We were, we were very fortunate. Um, his high school coach was a longtime NCGA rules official, Bill Hayes, very well known in the uh, California golf. Northern California, yeah. And so we had those resources. I had a, a girlfriend of mine, Susan Pinkfish, who has her own recruiting company. And she was a wonderful resource. Um, while we did not use her as a business resource because of my friendship with her, I was able to to bounce ideas off her a little bit. And, and she provided us with a little bit of guidance. But most of the process we did on our own. And for us, it was the grind continues for recruiting because, you know, I think that one of the things we really didn't know when we started the process was that, you know, for 95% of the kids, the recruiting process is really hard. You know, you have those 5% of really, truly elite golfers who they get calls, they get emails. When, when they call a coach, if the coach hasn't called them first, when they call a coach, that coach picks up the phone. And for the rest of us, it's writing those emails and, you know, preparing your resume and sending in scores every time you played in a tournament and just trying to get any kind of attention from somebody that you could. And quite frankly, we didn't get very many return emails. Um, He just, he wasn't playing at an elite level and he... Alex, Alex is a funny kid. He he sets his goals and he's stubborn. He does not come off them. And so as soon as he learned that there was a difference in divisions 
with collegiate golf, you know, one, two, and three, he was like, well, I'm, I'm playing division one. And he wasn't at the time shooting division one scores by any means. And so that limited the number of looks and return emails we were going to get in itself. And um, further in the process, um, as we went through it, you know, he, he established his geographic area that he wanted to be in. And, and to make matters even more difficult, he at first wanted to be within a two-hour plane ride and then thought about it some more and decided that he wanted to be on the West Coast. And then as we looked at environments in, in Washington, in Oregon, and that, he decided he didn't want to play several months in the rain. So that kind of limited us to California. <laughs> right. And then it got worse from there. <laughs> California became Northern California. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. Um, it, and, and maybe that was just how it was meant to be that the process narrowed down for us, but it, it kind of, it, it centered our search. We, we had a region where we wanted to focus. And, and so that's where we focused. Yep. And, and, and it, it was it ended up working out well too, but it were, it, it, you know, I think it worked out the way it was supposed to work out and yep. found USF and, fell in love immediately and has never looked back. I think he has no regrets. That's cool. And he's so close. He's only, you know, he's within an hour away from you guys now. And I'm sure you as parents, you know, when you send your kid off to college, it's like, you know, I can understand how dramatic that and those feelings and emotions are. Right. And to be able to send your son off to college where he's only an hour away must, you know, make you feel pretty good as parents and give you a sense of security and safety and all that. So that's, I think you guys are all very fortunate for that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, knowing that he's within an hour's car ride away is definitely, <laughs> it helps us sleep better at night for sure. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, that makes it a different journey. You yeah. Know, had he, had he decided he wanted to go somewhere in Georgia, let's say, you know, that would have been a different journey in itself, but it, it's been really nice during this pandemic to be able to have him back home and, and still be close enough to his, his team and his coach and just to be somewhat, I guess, a little bit more geographically connected to his school, even though he's taking classes online. It, it's a, I think it's probably a different kind of feeling than, than most have who are taking classes remotely, but their schools on the East Coast. Yeah. Looking at his college career, and you know, I've looked at some of his results, his achievements. What do you think it was that he learned? Well, what was the turning point for him in his college career where he was able to come in as a freshman, not know much about college golf because nobody does, and then turn it into one of the key players on his team and get to where he is now in his college career? What do you think it was that switch that kind of changed things? What do you think he learned? as a college player to help excel into where he is now? You know, I think, again, he's very blessed to come with his teammates. I think USF has a very good team. You know, they have their number one player is probably ranked uh, 14th amateur in the, in the country, in the world. And so, you know, having good teammates like that, uh, I think, helps push him to be a better player and better golfer. And also his coach as well. I think his coach has done a great job with him as well at USF. And, and I think, you know, you know, through the process, you know, playing in middle school, playing in high school, um, he's had teammates along the way that's helped him push him to make him a better golfer and coaches as well. He had a great, he had a great middle school coach. 
of course, my wife mentioned uh, in Foothill, you know, legend for a high school coach, uh, Bill Hayes. And actually the coach that record, uh, recruited him at USF, he ret- retired just before he got there. But the coach that took over has done a fantastic job with the team as well. So. And I think Al's point is, is good there, it, what he was able to learn from his teammates. Because, well, as it sits right now, Alex is the only American player on his team. No way. And yeah. 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 And so his teammates, we were actually, um, we were out watching them play uh, in Arizona. Well, we were watching Alex play and, and one of his teammates happened to be out there with his national team. And we were talking about just the different places that he's played. And he had mentioned to us that he's played in 34 different countries. Wow. And yeah. we haven't even covered the West Coast um, for Alex in the tournaments that he's played in. So, you know, these these are guys who have done a lot of traveling. They've had to deal with airport and packing and all the things that go along with traveling with a national team. And so I think that what we lacked in being able to expose him to preparing for travel, he was able to learn a lot just from the people around him. And and the school's been great about giving him the opportunity to be able to travel and to see what that's like. And um, it is, it's a small school, it's a smaller school. And so things are more centrally located at USF than they may be at a larger campus. So I think going in as a freshman, that probably helped him a lot as well, juggle all the things that you have to juggle as a student athlete and getting to your classes and getting to your practices and finding, you know, your locker at the gym and, and just all the, all the little things that go along with it. It's again, kind of goes back to environment and what's best for the player. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, it's interesting you brought up that point about the travel and being around play international players, because I was talking with a friend of mine and we were saying, if your goal is for your kid to play college golf or on the PGA Tour, you know, one skill that people forget about is like having them play in a lot of different places all over the world and get used to traveling. Because if you look at the PGA Tour players, like they're in a different city, a different part of the world, every a different time zone every week. And they have to be able to adapt and perform and play and different types of grasses and, you know, course layouts and everything. Right. And it's one of those things that I think we forget about as you know, adults raising kids in the game of golf is that they have to be exposed and be able to adapt to so many different environments and, and places as well. And it's a skill you just don't even think about. You you know, usually you're thinking about swing, score, mental game, all these things, but it's actually another element that's huge. And I think that's probably a big wake up call for a lot of college players when they begin to start traveling a lot around the country. And uh, for some of those international players, like you said, I mean, 34 countries, that is crazy, isn't it? But yeah. I, bet you, yeah. I bet you Alex learned a lot from that guy about travel and, you know, what it's like to stay in hotels and be in different places and things to do and, and how to get your mindset straight for the tournament the next day. So I think that's, that's, that's huge. So where does Alex want to go with his golf in the next few years? So what has he said to you guys about what he wants to do or what is his future looking like at this time? Well, he, he wants to give it a run at pro golf. He's very fortunate. Um, unfortunately, he missed most of his junior season because of the pandemic, but he has his fifth year of eligibility. So he's going to go back for his fifth year and get his graduate degree. But after that, he would like to pursue 
professional golf. So it, it's in a way, I mean, we, we talk about blessing. Well, he's been very blessed to get this additional year because instead of now having to worry about four months from now going out on tour and, and not really having a good solid plan, he has another year to think about where he needs to be with his game, where he wants to go with his game, what ops, see what opportunities are available and, and seek out counsel from people who know what the road is like. And so it, it, it gives us a little bit of extra time just to decide what our next move is, because um, this is the, the are first. Are the, the dreams still? It's the process. And, yeah. and this is the first and last time we're ever going to be a part of this process because you know, he's been an only child. So we don't really have anything to draw on other than the counsel of others and, and you know, our intuition as to what's right. And so um, it's nice to have that extra period of time to decide where it is that he's going to be going. That's awesome. And it sounds like he's kind of the, the driver and the, the, the leader in all of these ideas and thoughts, right? And as you as parents, it sounds like you guys are just extremely supportive of his decisions and the things he talks to you about. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once the kids, like, you know, once they get to a certain level, they are the, definitely the drivers then at that point. And then, you know, the parents then become the, the supporters. <laughs> right. And do you guys have any expectations for him going forward after college golf? Well, I think we both expect it's going to be a difficult journey. Um, it's, right. it's, you know, very, very few people or players um, who come out of college make it. And so uh, that's why we really wanted to have a solid plan B and get him a good education. So he would have that. And um, fortunately, he's, he's as passionate about his course of study as he is about his golf. And so um, come what may, he's going to be doing something that he enjoys. And that's really what's important. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So if if people wanted to follow Alex or learn more about his journey and just kind of see how he's come about through college golf, because I think a lot of parents are curious about this and um, like to read about these things, where would be a good place for them to you know, find out more about Alex and his journey. Be on USF's uh, roster. So going to their website and checking out the roster page, they do a really good job of keeping it updated and, and they're better than most. You know, there's a lot of information about all the tournaments that he and the team are playing in and there's results there. And they're great about posting news about you know, different tournaments that he's in. Um, they have a great Twitter page. They're active on social media. So that's really nice. He'll be playing with his assistant coach, Jalen. They qualified out at Poppy Hills for the USGA four ball. So they're going to be playing that in May. And then he'll be trying to qualify again for the USAM and the US Open. So uh, just the, you know, USGA sites, NCGA, he's always going to be a NorCal guy. And NCGA is such a, a fantastic organization that he's going to play in as many of their events as he possibly can uh, because they're just fantastic quality quality events and they do a wonderful job with their social media presence and they're fantastic about scores. Um, Golf Stat is always a great resource to not only find out information about Alex, but anybody who's playing golf. Um, you, can, you can follow anybody, any team. Uh, that that was a really nice resource for us to have 
right, especially right. during the recruiting process, because it's really kind of hard to know what teams even have a men's golf team unless you go out there and look and see what's available to you. So he's, he's definitely out there. He's not big on posting any of his stuff on social media. Yeah. It's just not, that's, yeah. that's not his thing. But, yeah. Um, I'll probably continue to post on Facebook once the season gets fired up again, which I think they're playing in an event on Monday. Yep. So they're starting their spring. Nice. Season. Please do. I love following it myself selfishly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what would be your guys' words of inspiration for raising golfers for any adult that's listening to this episode? Uh, I would say, you know, trust the process. I mean, it's a long journey. Don't get discouraged by, you know, events uh, or any one tournament and you just got to keep plugging along difficult journey not only for golf but for any sport i mean you know you're not we're not going to see i mean of course us as parents want to see instant success from our kids and sometimes that's just not reality it's not going to happen so you just have to definitely trust the process it's a long journey and, and enjoy it enjoy, enjoy it definitely it. enjoy the ride for sure one of the things we we tried to do along the way because like we talked about before, you, you give up your vacations. You know, your your free time is really all dedicated to chasing that dream uh, of competitive golf. And so what we tried to do as much as we could was make our trips to tournaments as fun as we possibly could and try and turn them into mini vacations. And so if there's a tournament that's near where you have family, go visit the family, go out to dinner with with family, you know, don't feel like after every round you have to analyze your yardage books to ad nauseum and and just you know putt in your hotel room. Go out and have some fun, relax a little, enjoy the pool, and 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 try and again build those memories because really in the end you're growing as a family, you're doing things as a family, and enjoy it, enjoy it, and. Just know there's there's going to be peaks and valleys and ride them out. Don't don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on your kid. Give it your all. If your your child is truly passionate about it, they're going to give it their all. And uh, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because this is it's a, a once in a lifetime thing that's happening for you. It, it's your journey and make the most of it. Have, have fun. That's awesome. You guys, you guys definitely exceeded my expectations for today's conversation. And I truly enjoyed it myself. I learned so much about your journey, but also I took away so many things that will help me as a parent and as a coach. And I know that the people listening to this episode will think the same thing. And, you know, everything that you guys said today is in line with the premise of this podcast and what I would like to promote to the world of golf and how to raise golfers. And I think you guys have just done an excellent job. And it sounds like you guys have really enjoyed the whole journey of raising Alex through the game of golf. And there's still so much more for you guys in the future as well. So I, I wish you all the best of luck. And thank you for coming and sharing your story today with me on the podcast. Well, thank you, Travis. Thanks, Thanks for having us on. And welcome home. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Wow, what a fantastic episode with Emily and Alan Chen about their son Alex Chen and raising them through the game of golf. I think they 
really blew me away and exceeded my expectations of what to hear from them and their story and their experiences and the ups and downs that they've been through and all these things that I know us adults are going to go through as well. And I just, I just love talking with them and hearing their story. I think there was so much to take away from them. And I think the experiences they've gone through and how they raised their son through the game of golf is the premise of this podcast to get more people to join the game of golf, to get more families to be involved and enjoy the process and enjoy those ups and downs. And it sounds like they've gone through that. And they said over and over how much we have to enjoy that because we only get one chance at being a parents or raising our kids through such a wonderful game in the game of golf. A couple things that stood out to me was Alan talked about how important that process was and he brought it up multiple times and I think having that outlook and understanding that this is a long journey, that how your kid is today or how they play today or the results they have today doesn't necessarily reflect on who they're going to be or where they're going to go. And also Emily talked a lot about the positive things they got out of the junior golf program and the environments that their kid has been in whether it's been junior golf middle school golf high school golf and now even college golf and i think it's just so important for us to seek out positive environments talk to other parents about where your kids are going to play golf find out more about the programs you're enrolling your kids in because i think it's such an important element in the development of them in the game of golf and also life so I can't thank them enough for coming to the podcast. I love these parent stories. It was awesome catching up with them. And I hope that you took away as much as I took away from today's conversation. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.